But there is a, there's a weight to this. You know what I mean? I've sat under amazing teaching now since, well, since I was a kid. Uh, and I'm going to get into that in just a minute, but especially since 2009 when we started going to Harvest Oakville and then we moved up here. It's been a long time since I've sat under amazing teaching. Praise God. So I don't approach what I'm about to do flippantly. There's a lot of gravity to this, opening God's word and handling it properly and correctly. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this. My name is Jesse Landon. I am the Harvest Kids director here, and I love what I do. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm going to share a little bit about myself before we get into God's word so that you can kind of see where God has brought me and my family. I've been serving in kids' ministry since I was probably about 13 years old. I've given most of my summers, full summers, to the glory of God in kids' camping ministry uh, at a couple of different camps ever since the age of 15. Uh, and that has been my pleasure to do that. And uh, it's been for the glory of God. And it's been amazing. I started serving in Harvest Kids in Oakville a week after my wife and I got married in 2009. We went up to the director there and we said, how can we serve? And we really have not looked back. And we were there for about six years before God called us here to Huntsville to the Muskokas so that I could serve at Minioe, and I, uh, I don't know if I expected to be there for seven years, but uh, I felt like we were used well there, and, and God is good. He's just been so good in our lives and where we've served and how we've been used. Amen, right? And so uh, it was about a year and a half ago that I left camp to be the kids director here because Marshall approached me, had the boldness to approach me and said, we need a kids director. Do you want to come and do this? It took a couple of months to pray about it. And uh, again, we've never looked back. It's been an amazing journey, and I'm, I just want you to know that because it, it's, it's all about getting to this point here where I get to share God's word, right? The Lord has used me all my life to reach kids, and I'm just so thankful to him for that. I found a deep purpose and meaning in devoting my life to teaching the next generation about God and all that he's done. And see, as a father of four kids, that burden has actually never felt greater. It's never felt more prominent in my life. It's only deepened. I was asked to share God's word today from a place of passion, uh, from a place where God is currently working in my life. So I'm going to ask you right now to turn to Psalm 78. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 7. My heart burden right now is for our current generation of children, our soon-to-be and in some cases already next generation of leaders. I want them to be brought up in the teachings of Scripture, and I want them to have a biblical worldview that aligns with what Jesus wants for them. That's all I want. And it's cool because... Psalm 78 speaks directly to that. I'm going to ask that you read along with me. I'm going to read it out loud. We're going to go through verses 1 to 7, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. 
I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we get to gather as a community of believers to read your word aloud, to study your word, to worship. God, we thank you for worship. We thank you that that draws us into who you are. We pray that we would worship with our minds and our hearts right now, that you would open up our eyes to see what you have in your word for us. Thank you for the people here, Lord, and thank you for using me the way you have I pray that it would be no different. I pray all eyes would be on you, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've only got two points this morning. A command to recount and a call to remember. A command to recount, to say, and a call to remember. A command to recount, Psalm 78, 1 to 4. That's where we are right now. See, the book of Psalms is a collection of songs used for temple worship. I think most of us know that. It's actually divided into five books themselves, and scholars think this is done to kind of mirror the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. The majority of the Psalms that are found in book number three are written by a guy named Asaph. Asaph was one of David's musicians. He was actually really important in leading the Israelites into worship. And he would sing and lead the people typically in front of the Ark of the Covenant at the temple. So it's like a big deal. Asaph kind of knew what he was doing. He was responsible for writing 12 of the Psalms, including this one right here, Psalm 78. And most of his Psalms are found in that third book. And that's that's all you need to know about Asaph. There's nothing much else. It's mentioned, he's mentioned in Chronicles, but uh, that's all we need to know for this morning. See, this passage was written as a song for the Israelites to sing and to remember the works of the Lord. The heart behind this passage is the need to remember what the Lord has done. That's what you need to know. It's to remember what the Lord has done and to tell the next generation of his glorious deeds. It's a recounting of all that the Lord has done through his people. And considering the current state of our world and where everything is at right now, I could think of nothing better than to do just that, to remember the works of the Lord and his glorious deeds, especially as we've seen it throughout our history as a human race. Look at verse one. Give ear, O people, to my teaching. That kind of echoes the call for wisdom, the call to get wisdom that we find in Proverbs, right? Proverbs 3, verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Or Proverbs 4, 2, hear, O sons of fathers' instructions, 
and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. See, what I see in the world right now is actually an attack against truth. Like, there's a war against truth right now. Would you agree? Right? Like, the world would have us believe that there is no absolute truth. That truth is simply subjective. That your truth is no more important than my own personal truth. See, as believers, we know that to be absolutely false. God himself is truth. We see that throughout scripture, right? Isaiah 45, 19. I, the Lord, speak truth. I declare what is right. Just like that, right? Amen. John 4, 6. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 16 to 17. Jesus speaking again. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. This is important, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you and will be in you. And then John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So we see throughout scripture, Old Testament all the way to New Testament, God establishing The fact that he is truth. We see it reflected in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and his word. See, now more than ever, there's an an importance to pointing people to the truth. Satan, as we know, is the father of lies, John 8, 44. And I want, heads up, okay? He is hell-bent on confusing, distorting, Twisting, warping, deforming what God has declared to be true. That's his MO. That's what he's all about. What God calls evil, the world calls good. What God declares is off limits, the world embraces. What God warns us against, the world encourages us to. And this has literally been the way since Adam and Eve, right? There's nothing different about that. The devil's ways are nothing new. They're actually pretty old tricks. And you don't really have to look too far either. The Grammys, eh? How many of you have hovered your finger over the unsubscribe button of Disney Plus lately? Right? The world is changing so quick. And what we once considered to be, eh, whatever, is pretty blatantly against the truth of God. The psalmist goes on to encourage the reader to listen up because they will speak in parables, in stories with a deeper meaning. This exact verse, verse number two, is actually quoted in Matthew 13, 35 as being fulfilled by Jesus in the way that he spoke when he spoke in parables. It says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Super cool. I love that. One of the things we do in Harvest Kids is we take a look at um, the Old Testament and how it relates to Jesus because it's all about Jesus. And so it's really cool to find the stuff in the Old Testament that clearly relates to Jesus. 
See, as believers, we actually have the light of Jesus shining through us. Our eyes have been opened to these scriptures, to these parables, and we're able to understand the depth of God's word. The author of scripture lives in us as believers, and he opens our minds to the truths of of this book. A person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus cannot, therefore, understand the deeper meanings or the stories that are here in Scripture, in the same way that a child of God does. Unless the Spirit of God first moves in that person and opens their eyes to the truth of the gospel, they cannot fully know truth because they don't have a relationship with truth. And this is actually what drives us to verse 4. Let's take a look at verse 4. See, as a community of believers, the psalmist reminds us of the importance of remembering and passing down these stories, these faithful works of God, to the next generation. Verse 4 in Psalm 78, if I, if I could have an overarching theme for Harvest Kids, it would be right here. Psalm 78, verse 4. This would be like our our mission. This is what we're all about in Harvest Kids right here. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. It's crucial that we remember where God has brought us from. You see, for me, growing up in Sudbury, pretty much all my life up until 2021, the people in my life who cared most about making sure that I knew these truths, who made sure that they were passed down from their generation to the next generation and the next, they were my grandparents on both sides of my family. Growing up in Sudbury from the age of three, my grandparents brought me to church every single week. Primarily, my grandparents on my mom's side because I was in an English-speaking church and my other grandparents were Finn. And so, we went to the English church. You see, they would drive from their house 20 minutes to come and get me every Sunday morning. And then they would drive to the church. And then we would do church together. And then they would drive me home. And then they would drive back to their house. That's a lot of driving on a Sunday morning. And they did that every single Sunday for 16 years. They'd also do it for youth groups and Christmas pageants and the practices for the Christmas pageants. And then the other extracurricular things like picking up garbage on Saturdays with the church community, any of that stuff. They even brought me to children's kids' camp every summer for that one week, where at the age of seven, I surrendered my life to Christ, and I was adopted into the family of God. Amen. And not only for me, but for my brothers as well, or for my brother as well, and for my cousins, and then also my cousins' kids for a period of time. They would do that. They would pick them up drive them to church, expose them to the word of God so that they can know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. See, over time, their grandkids would eventually express a desire to stop coming. 
until I was the only one left going with them for a number of years, more or less. I'm going to leave that with you. Encouraging or discouraging? What would you think? See, while being a part of a small community of believers in Calvary Baptist Church in Sudbury, I was also given many opportunities to teach and share God's word right from the age of 13. I was given opportunities to teach Sunday school, to lead worship songs, to to usher, to control the soundboard of all things, which was a little dial that went rant, rant, and that was about it. But it was still something. I would even lead youth group studies once in a while. All because the members of my church community valued what is said right here. The need to pass on to the next generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his works and his might and his wonders and to not hide these truths from them. You see what my grandparents did? That was hard. That was really hard. It took a lot of patience. It took a lot of steadfastness, a lot of trust. It took dying to themselves for the sake of the gospel, going out in the life of their grandkids and their great-grandkids. And this year, this moment, right now, me preaching to you is a result of their faithfulness to God. That's it. They did not hide their truths, these truths, from their children or grandchildren. They told the coming generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and his wonders that he has done. Their steadfast faithfulness has been an example to me on where my priorities in life should be to the next generation. That's why I've dedicated my life to Jesus through sharing him to those around me, particularly to the next generation. The Lord commands it and I have to obey it. A command to recount and a call to remember. That's just if you take notes. A call to remember. Psalm 78, 5 to 7. The psalmist goes on and he encourages the people of God to remember his glorious deeds. He brings them all the way back to Jacob, where God establishes his testimony to the beginning of the nation of Israel and the law that he gave to them. This law, this covenant that they had with God through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, this law written down and given to Moses in the wilderness, this way of living that would set them apart from all the other nations, this is what the people of God were commanded to pass down to their children. Psalm 78, verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. And the psalmist even gets a little bit tongue-in-cheek here in verse 6. I love this. This is super funny. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. The psalmist is so passionate that we share with the next generation the glorious deeds of the Lord that even children not yet born would know them. Whatever. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I love that. It's so passionate, and it, it just points to the, the need for sharing to the next generation what God has done, for taking this and passing it down by word and by deed to the next generation. You see, the law was designed to separate the nation of Israel 
from the practices of the other nations around them. It was designed to reflect God's character and how he wanted his chosen people to treat others around them. The law also served to show others, all their other nations, the relationship that the people of Israel had with God, how they were set apart for his purposes. And as we know, if you've read the Old Testament, as Israel continues to grow as a nation, in fact, if you read the rest of this psalm, Psalm 78, verse 8, all the way through to 72, verse 72, it's a total recounting and retelling of the history of Israel and how Israel messed up, messed up, messed up, and how God came in, persevered with them, stuck it out with them because he is a patient God and brought them through that and was there with them despite their failures. The Israelites were actually very prone to forgetting God's goodness. It says it right here in verse seven, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. You wouldn't have to command that if it wasn't a thing that they did often. (laughs) But keep his commandments. So, as Christ followers in 2023, what are we called to remember, right? What are we called to tell the next generation? I think that's important to know. You see, the biggest difference between the people of Israel when Asaph wrote this psalm and us living now is that Jesus has come and he has fulfilled the law. He has come. Our Messiah has come. And because he's fulfilled it, because Jesus lives in us, the law is written on our hearts. Our old way of living in the flesh, done. We don't need to do that anymore. And now we have the capacity of living a life that is pleasing to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we're passing down to the next generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord as done through Jesus Christ and his fulfillment of the law. Amen. All the Lord has done through the nation of Israel, the stories written down, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the fulfilled prophecy, all of that points to Jesus, the word of God. And this hope that's spoken of here in verse 7, so that they should set their hope in God, that's Jesus. Hope in Jesus, that is Jesus. That is what we have that the world doesn't have. And that's what we need to be sharing to the next generation. When we look around us and what the world has to offer apart from Jesus, we can see similarities with how the Israelites were called to be a nation set apart for God's glory and how Jesus calls us to a life that's away from focused on us. Right away from being all about self-centeredness and instead calls us to a life that is focused on him. The hope that we have in Jesus actually fuels us to pass on his glorious deeds because we want others to experience those same deeds in their life. And actually, we're seeing that right now in kids' ministry. I am so encouraged whenever I see what God is doing through all of our kids' ministries. We're seeing young kids like really young kids, knowing and understanding the stories of God and how they relate to Jesus. We're seeing children coming to church with their friends who have never been to church before. 
encouraging them to come and, and bring them, especially the, the midweek ministries. We're seeing junior highs putting away their old life for a new life in Christ. We're seeing senior highs come to Christ and getting baptized. Pfft, what a church to be a part of, eh? That's amazing. I love that. Are you ready for a bit of application? This responsibility, when done properly and passionately, it doesn't actually primarily come from this building. The call to the next generation to share Jesus, it starts in the home. The responsibility and the weight of this command should be felt by every parent in this room for their children. It doesn't matter whether or not your child is young or older or moved out. We all as parents have a responsibility to tell our children about the wonders that God has done. It might look different as your child gets older, but you will always have a responsibility to be Jesus to the next generation, to point them to Jesus. They need that role model. They need that example in their life. Because if it doesn't come from us as believers in Christ, it's going to come from somewhere else. It's going to come from social media. It's going to come from their TV shows or their movies. It's going to come from their peers or their public schools or their places of work. Think of how much time you spend with your child and think of how much time they spend being influenced by all of that. And if you're not a parent, this call is actually still for you. The command to tell the next generation applies to everyone in this community. It's a community effort. If you don't have children of your own, I would encourage you to make it your business to get involved in a ministry that focuses on calling the next generation to a life of knowing and following Jesus. Share the love of Jesus with the next generation. Show the love of Jesus to the next generation. Disciple them in the ways of Jesus. As the worship team comes back up, I want, I want to just give you a couple of things practically about what this might look like. What does it look like practically? Well, our kids and our youth ministries are designed from the ground up to actually be a launching point for you to have good and hard conversations with your kids at home. If you have a child in STEM club, be involved in their memory work. If you have a child in Club 456, grade 456, help them to memorize their catechisms and the scriptures that are associated with that. If you have a child in junior or senior high, Dive into what they're learning. Get involved in what they're learning on those midweeks. Ask them questions. Challenge them. And for families with kids and Harvest Kids on Sundays, the curriculum is literally designed for you to walk through them throughout the whole week of what they learned on Sunday, to unpack what they've learned, not to leave it at the doorway on a Sunday afternoon. See, my hope that our church sees what I see right now, and that is God moving in a really big way in our church with kids and the next generation. 
and that we might be all in for the call of this scripture right here, not to hide them from our children, but to tell the coming generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach this scripture humbly, knowing that it's a heavy task. It is a narrow road following you. But I thank you for those moments at home where I hear my kids singing worship, where I get to answer their tough, interesting, and sometimes weird questions about who you are and what they have learned in scripture. I pray that everyone here at our church, our community here, would get this. Lord, you would encourage us to a life of telling the next generation about the glorious deeds of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for the reading of your word. And God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, embolden us, fill us with passion, all for your glory for you to be put first in Jesus' name.